A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tunic. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave from there. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. So they went off and preached repentance. The twelve drove out many demons, and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of the Lord. An interesting uh, point in the Gospels, St. Luke tells the same story, but he has a, a, a difference. In Luke's version of the, of the story, they're required not to carry sandals. In Mark's version, they are required to carry sandals, which makes me think that St. Mark and I had something in common. At one point in our life, we both stepped on scorpions. <laughs> And as a result, Cheryl can tell you, I am never barefoot. <laughs> I come out of bed, go into slippers, go into shoes. I do not walk around barefoot because I have, you know, I know what it feels like to step on a scorpion. So St. Mark is telling us this story. And here is, as I mentioned before, is where Jesus begins to fulfill a promise he made to his disciples that he would make them fishers of men. And he sends them out two by two into villages and towns where they're going to present the gospel. Now, in the, when he sends them out, he, the verb here, the Greek verb here is actually apostolane. He is making them apostles. This is the first time we see Jesus making, converting the disciples from disciples to apostles. They're no longer just students. They are interns. All right? They're getting out there and, and getting in the muck of things and preaching the gospel in these villages. Now when they go out to preach the gospel, you notice first place they go two by two, which is an excellent stratagem, you know, because it gets difficult when you're alone. It really does. And so Jesus understanding that, always make sure that they have someone to partner with, someone to pray with, someone to take counsel from, someone to discuss things with. Where do we go next? What do we do? And when someone, you know, begins to uh, become weak or afraid, there's someone to lift them up. There's, there's, a comp there's a need of companionship, not only in the mission field, but just basic, in the basic Christian life, that we need to have others we can call on and say, I need prayer. I need some help. I need some counsel. And that's one of the reasons God has planted us in a church. You know, I know a lot of people say, I don't need to go to church. I can worship God by myself anywhere. And yeah, that's true. But that's not the way God designed us to function. He designed us to function together, helping each other, having a companion to lift us up and carry us forward. And so he sends the apostles out two by two. 
Now, one of the th issues, no, just a, an aside point here, pray for priests who wind up living alone. It's a dreadful and difficult thing for priests to be constantly, you know, it used to be even, you know, diocesan priests, there'd be two or three priests living together in a house, they'd have a housekeeper, you know, and they could, they could help each other along the road. But with the shortage of priests now, almost all priests are alone. And that's a very difficult thing. So always pray for them uh, because they need, they need your prayers. So they go into these towns and they begin to preach the gospel. It says that they preach repentance. Now we misunderstand repentance. I always grew up as a kid, you know, with hearing the Baptist preachers say repentance means to turn around. I think I even heard a Catholic priest say that not recently. That repentance means to turn from your old way of life. But that's not really what it means. Repentance means to have a transformation of your mind. The scriptures talks about the renewal of the mind. To get a new mind. To give up the mind that is focused on ourselves and our own needs and our own struggles. And to have, as St. Paul says, the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ was always he was always thinking of others, always reaching out to others. Even when he was tired and exhausted, he would always, you know, heal all that came to them. And he would, he would teach all who would gather. He was always there for others. And that is the mind of Christ, which we receive from the Holy Spirit. So they're going about teaching repentance what they're doing is teaching people the renewal of their minds, to change the whole, their whole way of life. Not on the outside. I mean, that's what a lot of religions do. They give us rules that we try to live by on the outside. And, a lot of, and to some extent, that was the law of Moses. A lot of rules to live on the outside. But God changes us from the inside. He changes our minds, changes the way we think. He renews and refreshes our souls so that we don't need to have a lot of rules to follow. We naturally gravitate to do good as Christ went about doing good. So we preach the repentance, the renewal of their minds, and then they spend time healing the sick through the anointing of oil and casting out, driving out demons. You know, this is the only place in the Gospels where anointing with oil for the sick is mentioned. It it's, becomes an obviously, it's, it's a part of the church. We see this in James. James chapter 5 instructs the elders of the church, the priests of the church, to anoint with oil and pray for the sick so that they can be healed. And that's a part of, that's a sacrament that we have in our church. But this is the only place that's mentioned in the Gospels. And that's why it's so important when looking at Scripture to see that Scripture continues in tradition. We need to understand things that may just have a, just a slight mention in the Scriptures. But, what if they, but if you can see that it continues on in tradition, you know, it, it played a much bigger role than we might know by just by the number of words that it receives. A lot of times, as, as you know, Protestants, they say, you know, I don't understand what's important about the, the Blessed Virgin. No, she just, she's just barely mentioned. You know, she just gets two or three mentions in on the whole New Testament. Well, yeah, that's true, but 
the tradition of the church teaches us that she, you know, she was immaculately conceived, she was assumed into heaven, she sits as queen of heaven. These are not things that the Catholic Church makes up, you know, later in. These, these come from the very beginnings of the church. The scriptures continue through the tradition, and we need to understand the scriptures through the tradition. And they cast out demons. A lot of demons. Now, I know Father John was mentioning demons uh, a week or two ago because it came up in one of the Gospels then. A demon, by its very nature, is a lie. See, a lot of times we have this Hollywood vision of demons, you know, as um, these uh, wicked and evil beings that, uh, that are attacking us. But, you know, the word devil means deceiver. That's what the word means. The word Satan means accuser. The word devil means deceiver. So, the accuser, deceiver, a spirit, you know, demon is an evil spirit, right? And a spirit is not something tangible. It's not like a... Um, uh, it's, it's not like, you know, it's not like the Hollywood movies, you know. It's certainly not, you know, red pajamas and a pitchfork. It's, it's, a, it's an attitude. A spirit is an attitude. A spirit is a thought. A spirit is a lie. An evil spirit is a lie. You know, the word evil in the scriptures, uh, the Greek word paneros, means empty. It means empty. And a lot of times we say, well, I don't want to do anything evil, you know, which we think, we think of something really terrible like committing murder or adultery or something like that. Well, we don't want to do that. That's true. But evil really means empty. We do not want to pursue emptiness. And this goes right back to the very first chapter of Genesis. God separates light from darkness. Darkness is the void, the emptiness. And he gives us light and life and goodness so if we fill ourselves with light and life and goodness then we are living in the pursuit of God but if we fill ourselves with emptiness daytime television comes to mind but <laughs> if we fill ourselves with emptiness then we're not in pursuit of God so when it goes when we, we see about hear about the script the Apostles going about casting out demons. And I'm sure that a lot of it was just like we, we imagine. You know, they go and, you know, they're casting out demons in Jesus' name and just like we imagine it. But more important than that, they are replacing deception with truth. And the only way to replace deception with truth is to focus on the words of Jesus. See, a lot of times, especially for some reason in our day and age, we have this, we, we, we have bought us into a deception that there is a political truth, <laughs> that there's a political solution to our problems, and there isn't. The only solution to our problems, whether it's in our lives, in our families, in our in our so in our society, in our nation, the only 
solution is the love and truth that Jesus teaches. Otherwise, we just will replace one deception with another. And have you ever wondered why the church exists? I just talked about community, and that certainly is a, a big part of it. But what are we here for? You know, are we here to withdraw from the world, to have our own little fellowship, which is beautiful and wonderful? And, you know, is that why the church exists? Does the church exist to be the moral police of society? To tell society abortion is wrong, and it is. You know, lying politicians need to speak the truth, and they should. But is that what we're here for? Is that why the church exists? Or maybe we think the church exists so that we can have sacraments. So that we can come to Mass and receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. When we have children, they can be baptized. When we, you know, young couples fall in love, they can get married. So that the church, we need the church to have sacraments, and we do. But that's not the reason the church exists. Jesus established the church to continue his life and teaching ministry until he comes back. That's why we exist. Is to continue the life and teaching ministry of Jesus. And whatever else goes on, and there's a lot of good things that go on, a lot of important things that, that the church does. We must always remember, as Jesus sent out his disciples two by two to go into the towns and villages, they, he goes, sends them out to be his life and teaching ministry in that village. And when Jesus plants the church for the, for the world, he says, go into the world and make disciples of everyone all nations teach them to follow my commandments heal the sick cast out demons trample on serpents that's why we exist and we see this in the beginning as Jesus sends out the twelve he is beginning to establish a church that will be able to continue and to expand his life and teaching ministry, his healing and teaching ministry in the world. Now it's important to come to Mass to receive sacraments. But we receive the sacrament not as an end in itself, we receive the sacrament so that we can be the sacrament. Jesus comes to us in the sacrament of his body, blood, soul, and divinity to empower us to be the sacrament of his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the world. Whenever heaven and earth intersect, Whenever God touches humanity through humanity, that is sacrament. And that's why we come to Mass. 
not to say, oh, it's wonderful that I just received Jesus. But I received Jesus to sin, to take him out. In fact, in the old Latin, the way at the dismissal, the priest used to, used to say, Ite misa est. Remember that? Ite, some of you have been around long enough to remember that. Ite misa est. And that dismissal means go. Go. And Pope Benedict, talking about the word misa, says that it not, it's not just a dismissal. It's not just a Latin way to say, get out of here. <laughs> he said it relates to mission. We are dismissed to perform a mission. That is why we are here. And that is reflected in the English Mass. Go and proclaim the gospel by word and by deed. That's not exactly what it says. I'll, you know, with my memory, I'm always getting it wrong. But basically, that's what the, it says. Go and proclaim the gospel. Live it. Preach it. Bring Jesus into the world. Because we exist not because we want to go to heaven, although we do. We here in the church exist to become the body of Christ in the world and to continue his healing and teaching ministry until he comes back. Let's go to God now in prayer.